Welcome to the We've Seen Enough podcast, where we look at the world through the prism of sports. Enjoy the eclectic mix of our personalities as we discuss, debate, and occasionally fight over issues large and small. So as we head to our respective corners, I'm Jim Boyle. And I'm Tom Trevisani. Let's get it on, Jimbo. The show everybody's been waiting for, Tommy Trevisani and Jim Boyle, we've seen enough. Episode one, season one. Um, you know, it's great to be here. Tommy, I've been talking about this for a long time. How do we get our personalities to match up and, and let people hear and, and chuckle and laugh? Because people have heard and chuckled and laughed at us a long time, Tommy, as we're sitting on the bench coaching together or watching a game or, or criticizing whatever. You know, we can always do it better than them sometimes, that thought process. So just a real quick uh, brief rundown. What we want to try to do on this show is to keep you informed. So we're going to talk about something that current that's happening will be the first segment of our show. Uh, and then w- once we transition from that, we're going to look at eras and how we match up eras because Tommy and I always have a, dis- a different take on whether, you know, Will Chamberlain would be successful in today's NBA or um, Barry Bonds would have been successful how- in, 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 the, in the time of Babe Ruth. So that'll be the second. Then we're going to do what I call our Mount Rushmore, uh, which is the four. Uh, Mount Rushmore is pretty easy. There's only four presidents on Mount Rushmore last I counted. So it's pretty easy. Time will give his four Mount Rushmore to whatever it is. And, or maybe it's not much more of podcasters than we've seen enough, so Tommy and I one and two. And then what we'll have is um, the final thing we'll have is a pet peeve because I have pet peeves all the time, so does Tommy. And at the end of the, at the end of podcast, Tommy is going to come in and give us a trivia question. We're going to hold it to the next episode, and we'll go from there. So um, first of all, w- welcome aboard, Tommy. Great to have you with us. Thank you, Jim. I've been looking forward to this for a long time, and I think that we're going to have a lot of fun here, and we're going to discuss a lot of topics, and I'm very interested. It's going to be very fun. Correct. And the first topic, it's amazing every, uh, how sports works, right? So we come into the beginning of the training camp for basketball, and the Celtics, first they get Robert Williams, gets hurt, and is going to miss 12 weeks. You, you, it looks like we're flying. We have a great offseason going. And then all of a sudden the bombshell hits. I mean, the bombshell of all bombshells hits. You know, Coach Amy Adoka is suspended. Okay, We're not here to discuss why or the process of him getting suspended or the or – the, acts that got to that point what we really want to discuss today is is what is the impact of losing your coach right before training camp and then and and then in effect the celtics saying he's going to be suspended not firing him and they're going to bring in a young 36 37 year old kid who's never coached before so first off tommy how stunned were you and what do you see the impact well first of all i was really stunned you know i thought he did an excellent job last year as you know around the middle of the season they were right around 500 they lost that game to the Knicks they blew like a 30 point lead but all of a sudden they kind of turned it on they won like 25 out of 30 and uh, you know this guy has the Greg Popovich tree so he seems to really connect with the players it seems like Jason Tatum's a big fan of his and as you know as I always say the players tend to run the asylum in the NBA that's just kind of how it is and I think a coach is there just to really control the personalities and he seems to be like a he gets through to his plays, but the thing I seem to like about him is he doesn't seem to yell and scream, and but he just seems to relate to them. And uh, I think this is going to be, I think this is going to kind of be a big blow. I do because I think the Celtics made a big run last year, and you know, you know, there's going to be about four teams I think in the East: them, Miami, you know, Philly, and who else am I missing, Jim? I think you're missing the big one. The yeah, Bucks. Mo- yeah, of course, yeah. Milwaukee with Giannis. But you know, the NBA's funny; they play the regular season. It's just really. You know, you figure you win 50, 55 games, but then you get into the playoffs, and this is where the, really the men come out. And uh, I don't know, I think this is going to affect them a little. I do. And, um, 
You know, I had a lot of high hopes for them this year. And also, don't forget that Dino Gallinari guy got hurt, too. Correct. I just I even realized that because I thought that's what they needed last year. They needed some scoring off the bench, a guy to come in who can hit a few shots. So we'll see what's going to happen. But, you know, they got two of the better younger players in the league. So I just think, you know, it's like anything. I, I think it's going to affect them to a point. But overall, I don't know. I, it's just the NBA is funny. Like, I, I think the players really pretty much run it. So... As long as these two kids come and show up, they should be all right. Don't they have three of the best young players in the sport? In the come on, oh. are you not a Marcus Smart guy? Oh. Are you are you the Jack Boyle oh. of podcasts or Marcus Smart? Jack. They got three really good three really good young players. I don't know about Marcus. And they can count on Marcus. Marcus can come and give you defense. One thing that I, that everybody groans about Marcus is he thinks like he's the everything revolves around Marcus. But you know what? When they need somebody to to kick him in the you know what, uh, he's there. He's he's down and ready to go. But let's forget Marcus Smart, because this isn't about Marcus. This is more about the expectation going into the season was set so high, Tommy. And I think Absolutely. that losing the coach right now, all of a sudden now people are going to lower the expectations. Someday we'll do a gambling show, and I think that Vegas is saying, oh, my God, they go from you know 500 to 600, whatever the, the, right. the odds were going, and it changed. But the expectations have changed because not only do you lose a coach who really guided the young players – going forward and I agree with you it's a players league but it's a coach who understood and could handle the players you know and my philosophy on coaching is really pretty basic it's you know anybody can anybody can practice plan anybody can write a playbook up anybody can actually execute you know the x's and o's but it's really about how do you handle all these distinct personalities and you know and later on in the conversation we'll talk about you know what's going on with why is football different than baseball and basketball but in basketball you're right, the, the 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 amount of personalities that are important and then i just heard today that jason tatum recommended joey to be the, the head coach so you know all of a sudden you got the lead guy saying yeah he's gonna be great for us and, and jalen brown today is press conference he knows me i know him so the players are going to say they're going to circle the wagons but real quickly you know we talk about I think it's like 70% personality-driven how you handle your team and 30% how you run the X and O's. Where do you, where do you fall? Where's your level on that, Tommy, with coaching in the pros? We'll start with the pros. Well, I, I would say in the pros in regards, I would say it's about that. I would say more. It's like 80% plays because the NBA, it's just, you know, we go back to the days where, you know, we, I grew up in the 80s with the Bird days, and when they had, I always use an example with Casey Jones. I mean, I could have coached that. I'm not... I could have coached that team back then. I mean, Casey Jones just knew how to control personalities. He said, here, Larry, here's the ball. Go out, do your thing. But there was a way, like, how he did it. And, you know, the players liked him. But it's just back then. It was different back then. There wasn't as much social media. So you don't know what's going on in the locker room and everything. But I just think Bird ran that ship. And Casey just kind of said, this is your team. But it just worked. It's just, you know, today it's just different. These players... They seem to like, you know, they want to run everything, but they're not really leaders as much as I thought these guys were back in the 80s and 90s, like Jordan and Bird and Magic. They just don't lead as much. So, again, when it comes down to, like, you know, we always use Tatum for an example. He's still only a 25-year-old kid, and uh, I think he needs to take that next step. I do. I think he needs to take this team under his wing now, especially after this little incident, you know, with the coach. And, you know, we're going to see now what he's really made about. He has to take that next step. So then back to your point, um, I disagree that you could coach those guys back then, but we'll let you have that pipe dream of yours that you keep telling me. Yeah. If you could coach the guys back then, you could coach the guys today. I know social things are a little differently, but because it's just a matter of you're coaching the personalities. You know, yeah. you know your basketball skill set is much better than mine. you got that great little jumper. <laughs> you really know how to get past the half-court line to play defense. I just know how to do that. But you're, you've played. You've done it. You've played. We've both coached together. We both um, – 
like I said, your level of knowledge on basketball is far exceeds mine because of your experience in playing it. So you you have that portion to you that would they would respect. Right. So looking at the coaches today that are coaching the NBA. Yes. Okay. Last year's championship team was coached by whom? Steve Kerr. And Steve Kerr did what? He played. He played. He was Absol- a player. I'm sorry. He was a play. Absolutely. You know, he's and a he's going to be involved in a trivia question later. But uh, here we go. But you're right. I mean, I don't know if you, between him and, and as you know, he was a role player, Jim. He played on those Chicago teams, but he was he was a great player. And I don't know, like Steve Kerr, there's just something about him. He's, you know, he lets the players play, but there's times, as you know, remember that year when he was hurt, he was out. They still won like 70 games. So I want to use that for an example. If you remember, I think Mike Brown was the coach or whoever it was. But those teams are just so loaded. So I don't mean to use that as an example, but Steve Kerr, just, you know, there's, you know, I think the players respect him because he played, like you said, and he's a winner. I'm using the trend more so than Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr was a player. So if right. you go, if we would go through all the teams in the NBA, and how many most, are coached by a player? How many are coached by a younger, like, Adoga was right. a player. He, he played. He played in the league. People, people don't that. know he that. Was, but he, you're right. he was a role player. I yep. can tell you right now, Joey, what's his name? Uh, <laughs> Mazzola? Yeah. He has not played in the league. Well, I don't know if you know, I guess his coaching experience, if I'm correct, he coached a division, Fairmounts, I think a division two school. Yeah. And, somewhere uh, out in the Midwest somewhere, Yeah, right? and the funny thing, there's a little tidbit on him is, because I heard this from my son, that his brother actually played for the University of Vermont basketball team this year, that team that actually made the NCAA tournament. So from like what you said, again, it seems like Tatum really likes him, and these guys are all going to come, you know, they're going to support this guy. But again, he's young. But, you know, we got to seem like we got to give them a shot. But as we say again, you know, they have three of the better young players in the league, not two, as you would say. So, again, there should really be, you know, what's he going to make a difference of, Jim? Five to seven wins maybe? Either way, I, you know, I don't really – I mean, even though I don't – like, I just think, you know, they're probably going to win 50 to 55 games. And, you know, they're going to be one of those top two or three teams in the East. And it comes down to getting home court advantage. You win games, and you know not that it helps with Miami because they beat Miami in the road. Good point. And they showed a lot of they showed a lot of an intestinal fortitude to take that body blow. Except for then they they ran out of gas a little bit. The thing I don't the thing I think that Adoki did poorly was um, time management. You know, Tatum played a ton of minutes. I everyone played a ton of minutes, and they were they were completely spent by the time they uh, they were ready to go. The, I look at, I just did the Arlington Catholic uh, Wilmington football game Arlington by a touchdown, but by the second half, those kids were, the, we had them, we were in better condition, they were done, and we were running the ball over and over. And so conditioning is important, I think, in time management and game management. You know, I hear everybody complaining about, oh, you know, why can LeBron, he gets to sit every three games, so he didn't do time management back. Havlicek <laughs> played a thousand minutes a game. Well, because they didn't know back then that he could manage the time a little bit better. Um, just to transition from that, right. um, let's look at coaching in general as at on the level of basketball versus football and college versus pros. You know, best football coach out there right now, whom? You mean college? No, pro. Um, I'm going to say Belichick. Belichick. And the other, and, but the, the trend has right. been to go young. You know, these guys are young. These guys are – I could be their father, for Christ's sake. You are right. I mean, there's about three or four co- – you're right. I mean, the guy, guy for the Rams, I think, is only 38 years old. He's already been in the league, what, five years, yep, right? he's been to the Super Bowl twice. So they, huh. the trend to go to young coaches. So you're what's right. the difference between coaching in the NFL and coaching in the NBA? Just real quick, what do you see – what personality trait? Are you really dealing with personalities in the NFL? Or are you I, dealing with management? I think it's more, I, I mean, again, you know, again, basketball is five plays. You know, the NFL is a level. I think NFL, it's more management. You have to control a lot more. And 
I mean, I guess it's like anyone. I guess it's the same. It's not the same. To me, it's different. I think maybe maybe coaching the NFL, I think, takes a little more. I think it's a harder to coach in the NFL, I would say, than the NBA. I would say the NFL is a Probably. CEO. He is. He runs the whole you show. Know. You know, and he's got to understand every, every little trinket that goes on. You know, and as, and, and as great as Belichick is, that's one of his strengths. Is he got He's got complete control. He knows where the tentacles of the organization go. He understands how to get how to get that forty fifth player to be better than the other guy's forty fifth player. Now they can complain Belichick is the quarterback, blah blah blah. But he still understood with what he had, the talent he had. He was always better when his guys got hurt. He always had the next level player who was better, and he managed it all the way down. Whereas the the basketball coach, let's take Doc Rivers. Is he a cheerleader? Is he just a leader? Is he a psychologist? What is a basketball coach compared to a football coach? Yeah, and it's funny you talk about Doc Rivers and everyone talks about him. As you know, uh, he wait did oh uh, he did yeah he did win that. I'm sorry in 2008 he did get that championship with the Celtics. But I think more with him. I'm not going to use the word overrated with Doc is. I think as you know, if you ever say, I think Doc Rivers is more of a salesman. I mean, he's a player's coach. I think the players like him as you know. And as you know, he did TV. People forget that before he was a coach, he was a great analyst. I, you know, and I like Doc Rivers as a player. You know, he went to Marquette, and I always thought, not saying he was overrated as a coach, but I thought he could have won more. I mean, he's got. A, if you kind of look at his career record, it's only about 500. If you look at it in the last few years with the Clippers there and in Philly, he really hasn't really won. He hasn't brought his teams. You know, that Celtics team was just loaded, and you know, he didn't win with that team. I thought he could have maybe won maybe another championship with the Celtics. Yeah, except for yeah, Perk got hurt. Yeah, and, you were you know, great, and, right? and, and, and Rasheed decided couldn't to be get a, a rebound. Rasheed right? couldn't play. He couldn't play defense, and you know that that team should have won. Absolutely, you know, but they, they had probably the, the best shooter ever. I mean, Ray fact, Allen, and they had the yeah. fact that the, that, that that the big guy got hurt, and, and they have nobody to stop Gasol really impacted them negatively. Well, if you did that game, if you remember, the Celtics were up by eight in that fourth quarter, and they could not get a rebound. You're right, right. and that's when I think that was the year. I don't know if it was on the team. And then the following year, you know, Ainge traded. Uh, he traded Perkins, if you remember, right. to Oklahoma City. So, like, maybe that guy to do all the little things. But, again, hey, you know. At least he released Rashad, Rashid Wallace, though. Come on. Rashid couldn't, couldn't, hit, he couldn't hit the broadside of a bar in that game, and he couldn't play defense. I yeah, mean, it's, I tell so you. like, what are you doing? It's like a Red Sox reliever. Christ, like, come in and blow the place up. It's funny you say about that guy. But talent, that guy could hit three-pointers. He would look good. And then the next day he wouldn't show up. But. That guy was another guy loaded with talent, loaded with talent, but, you know, he never won anything, so. Yeah, Coach Chady recruited him hard. Uh -huh. He went to Carolina Blue. You know, That's I, right. You know, he's a Philadelphia he kid. Is, didn't he go to the same high school? No, he didn't. He Not did. As well. Simon Gratz, the same high school as Coach McKee down there at Temple. He You're going to get to hear a lot of Temple talk with me here. Tommy will probably well, shoot I, me down a little bit. But we, It'll be like back in five days when we used to go visit your university. Absolutely. Yeah, we're a big Temple. But, but that's the Celtics. So let's look at, you know, um, we talked about what it takes to be a coach at all levels. You know, Alex Cora came in after suspension. Right. So now Adoka has an opportunity. Now Alex Cora's suspension for a little bit different. Right. Now that was the banging of the trash cans kind of stuff. Yeah. And Still in signs and so, everything. And, yeah. and Adoka's is a little bit different because yeah. we're dealing with a different issue. That, Absolutely. That's a societal issue right. that we, where we're trying to deal with on a bigger basis. But he can he, he he's again another guy who understands the whole part of the game Alex does you know he, he you know you give him the right tools he's going to utilize them not just the players but the analytics and the and the and the feel for the game and the fact that he's played it so Absolutely. what do you think really if you if you were going to say I'm going to I want to find the perfect coach okay and let's use basketball who's a perfect coach who, who what what's what characteristics do you want of the perfect coach? well to me I, I'm going to say, not X's and O's are over A, I'm going to use that, but the perfect coach has to be a coach that, uh, not that you have to like that, you just have to respect. I mean, 
Today, these players, I know, and I want to bring it up again, it's a different time, Jim, as you know. They're making a ton of money. It's just, you know, it just seems like it's about them. But there's these certain coaches that have to get through to these players, and some of them do because they play this sport. But you need a coach who's, he has to be good in X's and O's. Don't get me wrong, but he doesn't have to be a genius. But I think it's personality. You just have to know how to get through to these players. And it's easier said than done because, as you know, we've coached and on different levels. A lot of times, like, these coaches just... I'm not saying it's hard. They just can't get through to these kids, and it's not that. It just takes a special type of coach. I don't know if it's a personality or, you know, I don't know. Is there a right or wrong answer to me? No, but it's like you have to be good in X's and O's, but that's not everything. You just have to have, like, a personality. You just have to be able to talk to these kids, these players, and just get through to them, and sometimes you can't. A lot of times these coaches can't. Did you know when something goes bad, usually the coaches are the ones that are... Always takes the ax. Isn't so, it so true? That's yeah. exactly. So the difference, then, we'll, we'll do real quickly finishing up this segment, is yes. college coaches versus pro coaches. Well, right. the college coach, they have to understand the kids. they got to recruit them. you got to well, go out and get them. Like you know, it's say, like it's absolutely. Like my good friend Lou Saban there. Lou Saban. Nick Saban. No, no, Lou. Oh, Lou. Lou he's not his father. Oh. I'm just kidding. A good right. friend. Yeah. Saban, or anybody would say, right. you know, it's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and the Joe's. Right. And, you know, if you can recruit in college, the Jimmy's and Joe's, and then you, you don't even need to be smart football guy or basketball guy. You know, look at I, I look at the, and There's two. I'll, use, I'll bring two coaches up, you know, one who was the, the program I despise the most in the whole whole world. Oh, right. was Villanova. I hate Villanova. You know, Temple Villanova don't work. Jay okay. Wright was a great coach, though. Yes. Jay Wright did everything he had to do. He knew the rapping people, rappers, excuse me. He knew all the social things to do. Yep. He was really very well-dressed, very slick, very good, got into the, got into the neighboring, recruited great. And everybody thinks he was recruiting Philly. He was recruiting everywhere. Yeah. Okay? Oh, yeah. So here's a guy. He's, let's see what happens now that he's left. And the other guy I really appreciated at the college level was Brad Stevens because he, he identified talent that he wanted to have, and, he, and he, he brought it in and he coached his talent. He coached to his talent. And, you know, that's coaching. You know, somebody might – he might not be the greatest X and O guy, but he knew how to coach his talent. But when he got to the NBA, a little different story because now he's got to just manage the, the, the people. And once he lost the ship, it was sinking. No, it's funny you say Brad Stevens. As you know, he people forget those two years, they went to back-to-back -back national championship games. You know that. they Those two years at Butler, which was a mid-major, as you know, the first year he had Haywood, who was a lottery pick. But people don't know. He won 10 tournament games in those two years. He was 10-2. and two. The only two games he lost was the national championship games. But I remember me and you were watching those tournament games. You're like, Tommy, how's he even winning these games? The other teams were better. They were more athletic. But he was such a good college basketball coach, and I agree. But what happened to him when he got to the pros, I think he, when he got the stars like Kyrie Irving, he didn't seem to get through to them. And I love right. Brad Stevens. I think he's a great coach, and I love the job he's doing now. Did you hear him the other day? He goes, I'm not going back into coaching. Oh, yeah, he's a smart guy. Did you? Yeah, I mean, he's a quite – and I mean, you know, I've been down to Indiana. It's funny. I visited the area where he grew up, and I did some homework on him. And, yeah, I mean, the guy has really done a great job, and I think he's – um. I thought he was always a great basketball coach and college and pros, but it's just funny how you said he's still a good pro coach, but it just seemed like when he had the better talent, he didn't seem to win. And I'm not saying it was necessarily all his fault, but, you know, he who can get through to Kyrie Irving? But the, but, the talent didn't listen to him. Once the talent's not listening to you, Well, they you zoned him out. You made Shoot a really him. good point, yes. So two more points on the coaching piece. Number one, yep. um, you told me earlier that you could coach the Larry Bird team. So is it really <laughs> just rolling the ball out? No, but I didn't mean that as, you know, I use that as an expression like with these Alabama teams. I mean, like, you got all these, you got kids who don't even play to their third year and they're all, you know, top prospects. But my point is, yeah, I didn't mean, I meant it as a joke, but when you have these great players, 
Yeah, but there's still a way you got to coach them in a way. You, they just got to, you got to just kind of let them do their thing. But I mean, it's no, but you still got to coach them. Like, you know, you hear the stories of Casey Jones. But when you got great players like that, it's, you're lucky. You're just going to kind of let them, like they always talk about Phil Jackson, I say. He's maybe one of the greatest coaches. But look at the teams he's had. He had Michael Jordan. He had Shaq. But, but he knew what to do with him. But you make a good point, Jim. That Zen he didn't screw thing. it he up. He did. He didn't screw it up. When he brought Correct. Rodman in, he just said, just rebound. But, like, yeah, but it helps to have the talent. But he won. So, again, like, That's, yeah, it's easy. No, you're right. No, when I'm only joking, it's easier said than done. I think even when KC was there, was, we'll get him. You know, he did win two championships. I thought they might have should have won four there. But, you know, with injuries and everything, things happen. It's like they say. You go to Fenway Park, there are 35,000 people who know more than Alex Gore does. So this is the way it works. No, so not anymore. Not there. This it's all about now, I don't know. Oh, we'll, we'll talk about the Red Sox. Yeah, I don't want to, no, that's not even talking about them. But people go to the games. They don't even know what a tag-up is. They have no true. idea. All right. Well, that's a topic for another's time. It's oh, finally on coaching. Here you go. Yep. Put you on the spot. Okay. Because I have an answer to this because I actually got to think about it. All right. Who's the best coach you ever had and why? Me personally? You personally. Who's the wow, best coach? Wow, I'm going to give – his name was uh, John Sagarino. He was uh, – Mr. Sag, he was my coach uh, growing up. He was actually my travel coach. My He was my 7th and 8th grade coach. Definitely Mr. Sag. And the reason I want to be biased, I have to put my father in there, but I have to say Mr. Sag because he actually coached me. My father only coached me in the rec league. And then as I grew on, I would definitely say my uh, Mr. Sagarino was definitely the best coach I've ever had. Okay, and for our friends who are listening in Reading, Pennsylvania, yeah. uh, my, the best coach I ever had was uh, the baseball coach, Leroy Sipe. Okay. Uh, old-fashioned Really taught us the way to play the game, understanding, ran great practice. But the reason I like him, the reason I put him up top is I got six at-bats as a senior. I was the 18th player on the team. We won a championship. But you know what? He came up to me before the season and says, Jim, I like you. You're a great teammate, but I'm not going to guarantee you anything. But do you want to be on the team, yes or no? And, of course, I want to be on the team because, to me, being on the team is the most important thing. You get your friends around you to play. So, But as, as far as the way I've coached all through my life with baseball is, I always keep the tenets that he taught me way in the back of my head, and I, and I produce those going forward. And a lot of that is just understanding who your players are and putting them in position to win and teaching them how to play to win, to be in a position to win, really working. I mean, we did, we did rundown drills endlessly. We did first and third drills endlessly. So I do remember Coach Sipe, who I know has passed away because I'm a little bit older than you, Tommy. Yeah, and he did win a couple of district championships down in Pennsylvania, uh -huh. yeah. but it was, he, 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 you know, it impacted me going forward. That's the coach that I had. The coach that really impacted me the most is Coach Cheney from Temple because I watched him and I understand how he handled kids, how great, how, how great he was with people. You know, everybody hates him up here because he was going to kill Cal Perry, which he probably oh. should have. He could have put us all out of our misery. Oh. So that's, that's a good thing yeah. to hear because it's good for people to know. I think it's especially good for coaches to hear their players say, you know what, this guy really impacted my life because the coaches have that opportunity, especially at the levels that we've coached. Some Not so much in the pro level, but at the levels we coach. It's good to right. hear. So Mr. Sagarino, you said? Yeah, John, Mr. Sag, John Sagarino. Yeah, he was uh, – he would be now – Mr. Sag's going to be in his mid-70s, and he actually – his son ended up going on to school and played. He played at Bentley College, and uh, Mr. Sag was just – he was way ahead of his time. The stuff today, like all these kids, how they go to prep schools and they repeat the year. He was doing this stuff 35, 40 years ago. He knew about this. He was way ahead of his time. Okay, now to transition from the coaches that t taught us much, or we, we really appreciate it, <laughs> yeah. to the era question, which is really good. Every 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 show I want to try to look back, or or it's hard to compare eras within with any sport. Basketball is really unusual because back in the 50s, George Mikan dominated, and today. Yeah. 
because the size and speed and athleticism, the players say are better. They're just better. We can discuss that ad infinitum. But the, we, we can say the players are better today. They're better. They're more physical. They're more athletic. They can jump higher. They can run faster. They can shoot to three better. We didn't even shoot to three until the late 70s. Right, right. So the question for you is, that's the greatest coach of all time in basketball is Red Auerbach. We'll fight that over with Mr. Jackson or not, but Red's the greatest coach of all time. Well, Do you yeah. think Red would – how would Red translate to this time? Do you think that it would be his his hardcore, you know, uh, use it or lose it, you know, I'm going to ship you out, Lusky, you're getting traded for Heinsohn, or this is going to happen, whatever. Right. Or, you know, I'm, I like this guy, I don't like you, and move him right away. And he won. He won a lot. He, he, had, the, he, had, the, he had the Canonies to, to hire – Bill Russell's the head coach, first very, black head coach. Never, very um, good, yep. it, But I think with Auerbach, was it more his management skills as regards to running the whole team or his coaching skills, and could he relate to today's players? Jim, there's no doubt about it. You know, as you know, like in the 80s, that when he was the president, I just loved him. I mean, there was something about him. You hear the stories about him as a coach. He was just, you know, he could just relate, and could he relate to the players today? I think so. I mean, I know it's a different time, but he would figure it out. I think he was a genius. And not only he's probably going to go down as the best GM I ever saw, the trades that he did, the stuff that he did was just remarkable. He was way ahead of his time, way ahead of his time. And he could coach today. He could coach in any era. I think he could coach in any era. But, again, like we're talking about today, yes, there's no doubt. Okay, that's fair enough. I think that he would struggle with today's athletes because he was a authoritarian. I think today's athletes don't want an authoritarian. Today's athletes want somebody that will help them to achieve the status that they want to achieve. And again, we had a great coach, Brad Stevens, who couldn't do that with Kyrie Irving. Now, Kyrie Irving is completely batshit crazy. And that's what he is. And that's what you deal with here. So with Red, again, Red's even a generation or two above me. He's probably, he could have been my great-grandfather. So, and I'm, and, I, and now I'm, I got, there's basketball players playing today in the NBA who could be my grandkids. Right. So, and I know how I am. And I know how my father is. So I, I, I understand from a, the whole basketball perspective, because he had a really good idea of the whole basketball. But him, again, we take him from him as he was in the 60s and 70s and drop him into the 2022 world, 2023 world. It's a whole different world than it was. No, I agree. I kind of was thinking more like 80s, 90s, 2000s. You're right. Like today, it probably, I'm now I tend to not to, yeah, it would probably be hot. It would. But it's just, you know, when I, but in the 80s, 90s, and even on, yeah, maybe this last 10, 15 years, yeah, you're probably right. But it's just his resume alone, and and another coach you probably got to throw in there, and I think is one of the greatest coaches, as far as I'm concerned. He's right there with our back. I'm going to throw this name on you. It's Pat Riley. Yep. I think he's phenomenal. As far as I'm concerned, he's just as good as I And there's a guy. He could coach. Well, he could. He could coach today. He could coach 30 years ago. Pat Riley, to me, is he's unbelievable. I think he's one of the three greatest coaches of all time. problem with Pat Riley is they run out of jail. He's screwed. <laughs> that slick back hair is. I know, and but he hates he hates Danny Ainge too. He I does, love that, but that they hate each other. That makes he does. But you know what, Jim? If you know him, like like the guys, how he grew up. His father was tough. He grew up hard knocks. Everyone thinks of that L.A. stuff. And then when he went to the Knicks, how he played ugly games. The games would be ninety two ninety. He could play any type of style. That was all. Listen, Pat Riley could coach any time. I know they made a few of those. Uh, Lakers shows about him and the guy that played the part, which, uh, I mean, he didn't play the part. That's fiction. That's just fiction. It is, but Pat Riley is, uh, you know, and look what he's done in Miami and what he's done is I still think he goes down. He's right there. There's Arbeck, and then I'm telling you, I think he's right there. He's, like, very close behind him. Oh, Jackson's ahead of him. Uh, We'll Uh, fight about that some of that. Jackson is way ahead of uh, him. 
Don, first of all, at least Jackson didn't ruin the NBA. <laughs> Pat Riley ruined the NBA for 15 years playing that beat-em-up kind of style he played with the Knicks. You say? Come on, defense is defense, but pro wrestling and the NBA don't go together. I know, but you remember, and it's funny, those Lakers series when Mikhail, like and back then, it was like they were scoring 120, I'm talking about. Points. I'm not talking about the Lakers series. Yep. I'm talking about adapting well, to the 90s, he, and he, he may screw in the 90s. Up. But you make a good point, but... That's kind of like he, like he went from those Lakers styles to those tough Correct. styles. That's just. I'll give you right. that one, but he still screwed the NBA for like he twenty did. years. I mean, I know you know Jim. Jim that crap show. It looks we like a watch. light thing. I just personally like you know I've watched some specials on him and I think he's he doesn't get credit. I don't think he's even a bad guy. I think he's just you know. He taught those guys how to tackle. He did football, but you know you got to say he's a winner. Of course, he's a winner. But he's, he, he screwed basketball. <laughs> Just to remind you, you're listening to the We've Got a, We've Seen Enough podcast. Yep. Uh, Tommy Trevisani with me, Jim Boyle, your host. It'll be Tommy and I all the way through. Uh, on to our next round. If we're going to use the fighting uh, montage and stuff. So first round was the we talked about the coaching. Second round we talked about the eras. Now we get to the Mount Rushmore question, which is like my favorite question. Tommy, some, of these, right. are, some of these are going to be easy for you. Yep. Some of these down the road will oh, be hard for you. And we can discuss and argue. But this is a simple one. We're going to start easy this year, okay. this first episode one. And the Mount Rushmore for you of Boston Celtic coaches. Okay, the four. Okay, so you, I'm gonna go. All right, you, we, we can overlap if we want, right, or no. we can go opposite. No, I'll give you yeah, Jim, and this is a really. Okay. And if we match up, Tommy, I'm putting, I'm dropping the mic because I know we're not gonna match up because you said something earlier that's gonna screw it up. All right, well, we'll see. Let's you definitely see. won't like Rick Pitino now, will he, guys? No, he. Okay, <laughs> just go. Sorry, great Tom. college basketball coach though. Okay, but uh, cheater. It's funny you say about that, but I'm gonna say, of course, which we talked about Red Eye back, of course. Yep. All right, that's one. And then this is where it gets a little, because you got to think about the coaches, because then you know who he names. But I'm not going to put in another guy that I'm going to put in there. You're probably going to be surprised out of the four. Of course, Tommy Heinsohn I'm going to put in there. Not surprised he's on my list, too. Two, so okay, because oh, here's where we're going to get a right. two for two. I want to see how we think. But these are the other two, and you're probably not going to agree with me. But in either order, I know I'm going to put this guy in, and people are never going to be, but he's the one that kind of – after the 70s, and then they had those few bids. I know I'm going to put him in. I'm going to put Bill Fitch in there. I knew you'd put Fitch. I had Fitch written down that you're going to put Fitch in. Because you are so, you are such an old-time homie. You are a homer for the old-time coaches. I, I mean, you know, you listen. Will not give, you will not give Rick Pitino an ounce of credit if we talk about it. Or ML Carr, come on. Okay, listen, if I need something sold for me, I'll call Rick Pitino. But I got I need... you. Okay, so we've got for you, we've got Red, we've got Tommy. Okay, and you got, got Fitch. Fitch, and then the other one, Fitch, you know. Larry hated Fitch. No. At the end, he did. Well, no, if you kind of know, if you read the books and everything, Bird yeah. Bird actually, well, Jim, what do you mean? When he got put in the Hall of Fame, Fitch actually was the one who put him in. He was I the know. guy stand. I will get into that. All right, and who's time. your fourth one? And the fourth one, this way gets a little tricky, but because I just respected him and uh, I played for his son at Bentley Basketball Camp. I just, I was always a big Casey Jones guy. I got to put Casey. Casey in there. Okay, good. I mean, I know those teams and all that. Like, there I go, I could have coached that team, but I got to put Casey in there. I'm sorry, the guy was a great coach. In his own way. He just knew how to control those personalities. Okay, so just to be a contrarian, because I had Casey on my list, too. I All right, time. wow. I, I, I was old enough, unlike you, to remember <laughs> the 74, 75, 76 era Celtics, which, yeah. which Tommy did a great job in managing personalities. Getting, you right. know, they ran up and down the court. They played great defense. Absolutely. They utilized the quote-unquote six-man concept better than almost anybody did. Yep. They ran the Celtic fast break. They had Hondo. Mm. You know, they had Cowens. They were small. Uh, they weren't really the biggest team that ever walked on the court, but they beat uh, Abdul Jabbar and um, Oscar Robinson to the Bucks, and then they beat the the unknown Sigma and Westfall teams and uh, Alvin Scott of the uh, uh, 
of the what's that called? Phoenix. Phoenix Suns, right? Yeah, that's that famous so, triple uh, overtime right. game. Yeah. I would say that I I put red definitely on the thing. Um, right. I'm going to say Bill Russell. Uh, long always forgotten because he was a great player. Because he was a player. But what people culture, don't right. understand if they think about it, right. he took a team that was old because he was old. Right. He understood getting into the playoffs was the most important thing, being rested and healthy. So he thought through it. If you think about it, he coached later on in his life, went was Seattle, I think he went he got to. A good, and then he even got a job with Sacramento there at the end. It was, it was like the end, early, right. it was he was yeah. but even though Seattle he didn't like he didn't do good there. Right, he no, but, but it was a coach, a Celtic coach. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. He was a trailblazer. No doubt. You know, a great man. Greatest winner understood. in professional sports history. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't mean that. Yeah, that's fine. I just, he probably, I probably have to agree with you. It's, no, in uh, all. Those Montreal Canadian players are even better. <laughs> Jeez. No, that's fine. I, I, mean, I agree Jim, with you. 11 for 13, and we can go and, you know, the, this quarterback who played here ain't that bad either. But, again, football's more of a team. Yeah. You know you what gotcha. I mean? We can go on. But no, I agree with you on Bill. Jordan's up I, there, I agree. Too. One thing, you know, Russell's a coach. Okay. I'm like, I'll go back to my philosophies. Yep. Red and Russell. Yep. And then I always like Tommy. Yep. You know, uh, more so than Casey because Tommy had – Casey really was – you know, you, you have three phenomenally great players in their prime. Absolutely. I mean, the most two of the most underrated players in, of the era in McHale and Parrish. No doubt. Because Larry was such a star and so big and bright, yep. nobody really understood the McHale and Parrish impact. And then even beyond that, right. he had DJ, a great defensive player who could stop any point guard. And he had... Um, uh, Danny, and he had Wedman, and he had Walton, and he did a great job, but I won't put him in the top four. Okay. So right now I've got Red, I've got Tommy, I've got Bill, and I've got your most hated player, his most overrated coach in the world, Doc. Because I think Doc took a team that he was supposed to win with, and he won with them. And he would have won again. And, not, and forget everything that happened after with where Clippers and, and, and the Sixers. Yep. When he was here, those guys bought into him. Yeah. They believed in him. He brought Kevin Garnett in here, and he believed in everything he said. And they worked together, and they understood what the job and the results were. I agree with you. There are things about Doc that drive me crazy, but he was a great manager of those kids. No doubt. And he understood what, what, what ticked. He understood that Pierce had to be the alpha dog. Absolutely. But he, he, also, understood, him, yep. he also understood that the alpha dog was not Pierce. It was Garnett. Garnett, Garnett right. drove the whole thing. He did. You know, and he knew he did a great job in integrating um, talent that was marginal talent who played your six, seven, eight guys. So, you know, uh, I agree. Casey was a great coach. I think Casey fell in a lot of luck. Um, Fitch was a nice guy, great coach. He, he transitioned him from crap. I mean, absolute positive well, crap. You know, Marvin Barnes, you know, that, that whole era of just crud. Sidney well, Wicks, Marvin you Barnes. You remember what he did the first practice. He right. cut... He yeah, cut them, and then Bird said, you know, who's this Maxwell guy? And he, right. We know the famous yeah. thing. He started drilling 20-footers. Yeah. He goes, boy, this guy can play. So yeah. my point is, is he had Bird. Yeah, but good. to go from 29 wins to 60 wins, Jim, and as you know, Fitch came from those Cleveland Cavaliers yep. teams that yep. are all stunk. But he was a miller. He was perfect for them at that time. Right. And he doesn't get credit. Three of his four years, he won over 60 games. So that was the easy one. All right. Someday, next week, next week, tougher. Right. Well, it's easy. Celts are easy. You know, oh, boy, there's only like six guys you can meet. Well, that's why me and you, we were both, yeah. You know, and, and again, I don't, I, I think that even Stevens and, and nah, it, it, yeah. it did a great job, but he was he doesn't elevate to that, that No, level. definitely not. You know, because again, you got to win. Right. And because right. they had a history of winning. Right. You know, you, you got to win. You know, Tommy won two, you know, Bill won two, Fitch won one, Casey won two. 
uh, red one forever, Good. and yep. Doc won one. That's everybody. You yeah, take yeah. you take out Red and and and, and yeah, Bill, and, really and what you really only have what uh, six championships out of the, out of the numbers. You're there. right. You're right. So, but again, a good topic. I like that topic. Uh, round round three. So you almost hit with the knockout punch there, Tommy, because I'm getting a little punch drunk right now. Ah, uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, I love getting punch drunk. You, you drive me nuts sometimes. Well, you know, it's well, just, well, a, yeah. just I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I am across the room, on a mic. With the, the famous Thomas Trevisani. Oh, yeah. And we've been doing this for a long time, and it's good to do it. Imagine. We've been let, talking let, let sports all, since I met you. Let all the kids have fun laughing oh, at these, us. Oh, Jeez, they will. you believe Jimbo and Tommy are doing a podcast? Can't wait to listen to that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Fun, next thing, we'll do this quick because we're running, we're running low on time. I think I look at my time. Yeah, we're getting, getting up to the 40-minute mark here. Wow, all right. Um, pet peeve. You, you had a good one before the show. Yeah, I was like. going to say, Jim, again, back, I would say right now in the NFL, I would say is the last two minutes of a game, coach uh, coach management. It is just, over the last few years, it's just crazy. It's not to bring up a guy from a few years ago I thought could have been a great coach is the guy even, I always just say, Jason Garrett, and just some of the stuff they with these timeouts and what they do. And I didn't even make a game up the other day. I just, some of it, I just think a lot of it's over coaching. The time management is just... What some of these coaches are doing, like what Denver did three weeks ago, trying a 65-yard field goal, just how they ran the clock and, like, how they couldn't get closer for a field goal. I mean, Correct. I totally I'm just trying to use some examples. But it's just, you know, these guys work 100, 150 hours a week. They got tough jobs. They hire people to do this. But I know it's easier said than done, Jim. I mean, I know that. But you got all these people working for you. I just think some of the time management in the last two minutes is just very. And that's I totally agree with you. And uh, my, my comeback to that was. Belichick had Ernie Adams up in the booth. Very good. Yep. Can't you just – it's just like if you're an athlete, and this is not a pet peeve. I'm going to go off on a rant. I'm sorry. No, but if you're an athlete and you're out partying, why the hell are you getting in a car? You have all that money. Hire somebody to drive you home. You're a head coach. You get all this money. You work all this time. Hire somebody to watch the clock for you. Jesus. You can't You can't have three so timeouts. Used to do in high school. You can't right. have three timeouts left and not and, and kick a 65-yard field goal, even <laughs> though you're in Denver, and even though the kicker went to the temple. No, and Jim, people – just can't do that. No, Stupid. you make a good point, but Jim, if you don't know, no, that game was in Seattle, by the way. I know. Forgot. That what, was is he, what is he thinking? Uh, okay. But you're right. right. Absolutely. I, 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 I hate to agree with you, but you're absolutely right. Yes. Okay. My pet peeve real quickly is the yeah. way that we treat specific athletes when they screw up. Because with, with the Doka stuff coming in here, you know, he's it's big news. And it's, oh, Doka's done this, whatever. Blah, blah. Yeah, but well, we, I'll bring up two examples of people, I think, who, who are sliding. Right, right now, one current is Brett Favre. Brett Favre steals whatever millions of dollars from the <laughs> Welfare Fund of Mississippi. And everybody doesn't, nobody says a word about yeah, it well. to buy it, to build a, a southern Mississippi, a gym. So, okay, Brett Favre. He's a, we'll, we'll leave that as is. Another guy, Kurt Schilling. People beloved him here in town. You know, but love him because he had the he put he put a little stuff on his sock. You know, Red Sharpie. I could have done that, and he pitched a great game. No doubt about it. Thank God he pitched a good game. But yeah. why the Yankees didn't bunt on him? But my pet peeve is, you know, if we're going to treat Adoki, Adoka, and ever all and and even Kaepernick this way, you got to treat everybody the same way. Right. You know, they, if you screw up or you don't like something, it's got to be fair. You know, you can't be going stealing money from anybody. And and the Rhode Island got ripped off by Schilling. Yep. Uh, Mississippi gets ripped up and nobody gives a crap because they won. Right? So that's my pet peeve for the day. Sorry, Tommy. Didn't mean no. To jump I mean, all over you. But if me you did that, we'd be doing 100 years. So. No, I'd be doing 200. <laughs> exactly. You'd be doing less than me. No, girl. I'd be doing more. I ended a vowel. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. I, You know what, <laughs> Tommy? Can I just give you a little secret? <laughs> yeah. Boyle is spelled B-O-Y-L-E. Yeah, so I ended a vowel too. Yeah, but you're not Italian. No. Thank God I'm not Italian. Absolutely. Then I'd, then I'd be just like you. Ugh. 
All right. As we close the show every week, we want to um, throw out the um, Thomas Trevisani trivia question of the week. And you know what? We're going to leave it hanging out there because I don't want to answer it because, of course, Tommy's trivia question will be just to stump me and I'll look pretty stupid. But um, And we don't want that to happen to me. But what I'm going to do is um, we're going to let him ask the question, and I'll, I'll throw a few things out there. And then when we come back next week, we'll open up the show with answer your question. And then if you guys are listening and you want to call or text or whatever, we gave you the, we'll give you the email address after right. the show. Uh, you can see me on the street, and you can say, Jimbo, what the hell is going on with Tommy's question? I got a better one than you. So, Tommy, as we close out the show, let's go with our trivia question. Yeah, and then before you for um, we're gonna give a little gift on who answers the questions. All right, we're gonna talk about. We're gonna give a little gift. Yeah, well, my hey, mom, no, someone. I'm answering the question. Fr- no, all right, no, I'm answering friend. the question right now. I'll take all the gifts I can get. No, it's gonna be a nice. If they answer this question, reach out. Is um, my good friend owns Edible Arrangements, and the winner who gets this trivia, you know, they're gonna have to go to one of these three stores, and they can talk. You know, mention our show and mention both of our names. They have to do that, and they can collect the prize. So okay, so how's that sound? So that's awesome, Tommy. That's great. Giving a little edible arrangements in the stores are in Beverly, Peabody, and Lynn. And whoever gets this answer, you have to mention me and Jim in the name of our show. And if uh, you get the answer, you'll go in there. You get some nice chocolate-covered strawberries. Name of the show, Mr. Trevisani? Oh, my God. I'm having a brain fight. Is we've it? seen, seen enough. enough. I'm sorry. Sometimes yeah. we haven't seen enough. Yeah, I can remember something from 40 years ago, but I All can't right. from two minutes. All right. So, everybody, if you can get the trivia question, you have to email me at jboyle22 at comcast.net. You see me on the street, answer the question. And no one Google it either. Oh, of course they're going to Google yeah, it to kids. Exactly. They'll have the phones will be out like in two seconds. <laughs> like exactly. Kind of. All right, Tommy, what's the question? All right. Well, because we've been talking a lot about Boston Celtics basketball, I'm going to keep it pretty simple, Jim. There's only one player in Boston Celtic history that played with Bill Russell, and he also played with Larry Bird. There was only one, and that's a good, and, and, and who was that player? Again, he played with Bill Russell, and he played with Larry Bird. There's only one player in, in our Boston Celtic history to do that. And only that one? The, Are you sure that only one? You're going to go, I am positive. No Google. No Google, and there was I, only I would one throw, guy. I would throw some guesses. I know, you know, yeah, I mean, this guy was a, you know, this guy was a, you know, he was a good player, and he ended up being a coach and everything. He's a good NBA player. A good NBA player? A, yeah, he was above average, you know. Okay, good. Nothing All right, so let me repeat question. that question. There is only one Go player ahead, in the history of the world who got to play with both Bill Russell, most likely in 68 and 69, and both, Larry Bird, right? Which would be his rookie, yeah, that's kind Probably of Probably 79 80, right, very right, good. for Larry Bird in his rookie season. So that's probably was a scrub as a rookie. You know? No, this guy wasn't. I'm he was kidding. a yeah, but you're right. You know, let's guess uh, uh just a screw up Pete Maravich. I'm kidding. He didn't even play. He did play a little bit with Larry. No, he played with Bert, but he didn't he play with He wasn't made, old. He was right. too and he young. came in and actually he came too in young. in the nineteen seventy draft when I was born. That's right. This is true. Okay, Good so guess, we'll leave that one out. That was, right. that was a joke guess. I know. I I'm know. not that stupid. I am stupid I sometimes. Not that stupid. So like I said, Tommy's question, if you know it, get get in touch with us. If you win it, send you out to the edible arrangements in Peabody, Danvers and and Beverly. And Beverly. And all you have to do is yeah, say our names. You can claim the prize. His name is Thomas Trevisani, and my name is Jim Boyle. And the show you're listening to is We've Seen Enough. We're glad that we had you uh, to listen to us. Episode 1, Season 1, kicking off a podcast we've been trying to do for a long time. So for Tommy, uh, this is Jim. And uh, we'll see you next time on We've Seen Enough. Thanks for listening to this episode of We've Seen Enough, recorded at WCTV Studios in beautiful downtown Wilmington, Massachusetts. 
If you'd like to get in touch, offer topics to discuss, or stump us with sports trivia, we can be reached via email at jboyle22 at comcast.net. That's jboyle22 at comcast.net. Along with Tom Trevisani, I'm Jim Boyle. Make sure to tune into the next edition of We've Seen Enough.